Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. What are they made of? Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. No tobacco leaf or stem. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online and they ship directly to most states. Or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love at First Listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts What's up, everybody? John Middlecoff, the 3 and Out Podcast, brought to you live by the Colin Coward Podcast Network. Talking a ton of football. Sam Darnold, Hugh Jackson, Todd Haley, Jalen freaking Ramsey, uh, even a little John Gruden. Uh, appreciate everyone listening. I, I like, And I'm also going to end with the Middlecoff mailbag. You can slide up into my DMs, either on Instagram, at John Middlecoff. Slide up in there, and I will answer your questions. Or, obviously, on iTunes, subscribe, rate, and in the review section, I will get to them. And if I missed you, I apologize. I didn't mean to. It's not by, I I didn't do it, you know, I didn't choose to skip you. Uh, It's just I'm not a great accountant, you know. I I missed some things. So, slide back up in there. If I miss your question, just reissue another one. I will get to it. I promise. Hang my hat on responding to people on social media. It's what I do. But we got to start with Sam Darnold. I've been thinking a lot about this. 
the way I had my quarterbacks, I thought Josh Rosen was just the most pure quarterback talent. I mean, he just looked the most like an NFL player. I thought Baker clearly was really good. I, I thought he was just a shorter, little more accurate version of somewhere in the middle of what Case Keenum was last year, which was damn good. And obviously not Drew Brees, but somewhere in there. I, I think he's a really good player. I would have drafted him in the top 10, not number one overall. But Sam Darnold. I, Sam Darnold, to me, is special. There is no disputing that. And I, I think in life, we love to quantify everything. We love to put a numeric value on absolutely everything. It's this analytical movement in sports that everyone wants to be able to say uh, there's a tangible value on a player. On Clearly, we've been doing it forever in business, right? Uh, I grew up, I, I didn't grow up in a journalistic world. I grew up in a business-first world. My, my dad was a farmer. He was in business. You're either making money or losing money. Most of his friends, businessmen, you're making money or losing money. It's black and white. Your salesman is either doing a good job or he's not. It's very. It's just on an Excel spreadsheet, whatever the hell before Excel spreadsheets were, existed. I, I don't know, like a notepad? <laughs> I mean, us millennials are very spoiled. But the, the, you can't, like, the Excel spreadsheet in a business, tells you a lot. Now, it doesn't tell you everything. Some people in business would say there is a tangible value or, I guess, an intangible value of the power of a product. Like, you use Apple, for example. I am talking into a Mac computer, looking at an iPad, about to read a quote from my iPhone. So, there are companies, and Apple is worth more than just it's actually worth on paper, and as we know, it's worth a shitload on paper. But... I say this about people all the time. Like, it's really hard for... Let's use coaches as an example. I think I had a question last week on the Middlecoff mailbag. Like, why do teams struggle so much with hiring the right coach in college or pros? Especially especially in the pros. It's because it's hard to put a numeric value on, beside the quarterback, who's going to be the most important guy employee in your organization. It's hard to quantify... How much, and listen, I'm biased, I, I, I believe in this guy, how much Matt Nagy did when he was with Andy Reid? How much Matt Patricia was actually doing? What were Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay's roles on their staff? You, you think you know, and you think you meet the guy, and you really like him, but you never truly know until you get him. How will he handle when your star player gets a DUI? And the dude in the back seat had an AK-47 and, you know, a bag of blow. <laughs> I, I don't know. You know, no one truly knows until they're put in that situation. But I know this. I got my start in college football with Pat Hill. When he walked in the room, he was the alpha. When he addressed the team, he was the alpha. I can't quantify it. Pat's not Pat's like six feet tall. He's not even it's not because of his he's, you know, six foot seven and four hundred pounds. He just owns every room he's in. Then when I got to Philly. Andy Reid. Actually, Pat is more overstated and louder. Obviously, Andy has a great personality, but when you're around him, he's not as loud as Pat. Also, Alpha walks in the room, owns it. Owns it. I was around Jim Harbaugh when I first got in the media. Everyone knows. Jim Harbaugh, Alpha, owns the room. I see it now with the 49ers. Kyle has some of it, but I really John Lynch is the Alpha. Like He walks in the room, it's John Lynch's room. Same thing with the Raiders now with John, with John Gruden. 
And I think with quarterbacks, there is something to that. We love the PFF grades. We love the accuracy. We love all that BS. How smart they are, which is really important. But there is something you know when you see it. And to me, Moneyball, Billy Bean crushed his scouts. And I think in baseball, it's kind of fair. That that having it doesn't matter as much. You either can hit or you can't. You either can get lefties or righties out or you can't. But in basketball and football, there is something to that. Look back, think back to 2000, I think, 7 and 8, when Steph was in the March Madness. It was clear he had something to him, right? We knew it from the start. Anyone that watched that March Madness run that Davidson had, you knew it when you saw it. And it's no one ever thought he was going to become this. But if you went to Warriors games five, six years ago, before they started winning chips, you knew it when you saw it. Like, this cat's got it, right? And I think with quarterbacks, and I, I texted a buddy during the fall because he was watching a game on Sam Bradford, or I mean, excuse me, Sam Darnold. And it might have been the Cal game. He threw a bunch of picks. He did not look that good. I, I said, listen, you can't quantify him in one game, in one film study. You have to watch his entire career. He's a full career guy, and it was only two years. But Sam Darnold, the moment they put him in, USC changed for the next two years. Got to the Rose Bowl, then won the Pac-12 the next year. He carried that program. Now, two years ago, they had Juju, and Juju's a star. But last year, when they won the Pac-12, I, I, their receivers were terrible. They had a really good running back, but their receivers and their defense was eh. That, this was not your Pete Carroll Trojans in the mid-2000s. Clay Helton's not the alpha on that team. Sam Darnold was. Sam Darnold just has it. I, I don't know how to quantify it. Like, I, I can tell you went 13 for 18 in the first preseason game. I, I get, you know, that to me doesn't do it justice. Just Google, go to Twitter, and type in Sam Darnold highlights or every throw from his first preseason game. You watch it, you go, okay, I see it. it you, you don't need to be Bill Walsh or Bill Parcells to see it. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be Tom Brady or Joe Montana or Joe Namath, who actually, I, I Googled, I, I've used Joe Namath as a reference a couple times. Someone came back at me and said, most overrated player ever. And I got offended because I love Joe Willie. And then I Googled his uh, player reference page. His stats weren't great. He threw a lot of picks, but that's neither here nor there. But my point is, you just know it when you see it. And I think Baker has some of that. But I texted a buddy in the league. I just said, you should watch, some Sam, watch the Sam Darnold performance. He's like, yeah, I didn't get to see it. So he threw it on. And then he texted me after. He was on point. Wow. Impressive first time out. Good eyes, accurate poise, can really extend the play. And I think a lot of people nitpick Sam Darnold. Too loopy of a release. Too pudgy when he was at the combine. He's 20 years old. Most quarterbacks are pudgy. Who cares? You can overthink it. And the Jets, sometimes in life, you know, you work hard. An opportunity presents itself and you just take advantage of it. And sometimes, listen, it doesn't necessarily have to do with hard work. It doesn't necessarily have to do with anything. You're just gifted something. And we've all been there in some form or fashion in our life. To me, the Jets, I hated the trade when it happened, when they traded from 6-3, to three because they didn't control their own destiny. But you know what the football gods did? They threw the Jets a bone. Because somehow at pick three, when really before that, they were supposed to be picking at pick six. So I give them credit for being aggressive. And sometimes, I, I always believe this, you know, they, we make fun a lot on Twitter, like low man wins, and that's true in football. But to me, one... Tried and two formula for success in life is the aggressive guy wins. So I do give the Jets credit for being aggressive. The aggressive guy, the passive guy in, in this country, in America, 
gets run over. The aggressive guy, he's the guy living at the top of the hills. He's the guy in the big office. He's the guy being the head football coach. The aggressive guy excels in this world that we live in, in this world that you know that I'm speaking to. Probably most of my listeners are in America. So I, I, I can't just give them, you know, put this all in the football gods. But I'm, this guy's going to change their franchise. He's going to change New York. Saquon Barkley, unreal talent. That first run he had against the Cleveland Browns, dude is special. But you took a running back over this guy? Like, in your backyard? And I'm in a market that has two teams for right now in two different sports, the A's and the Giants, the Raiders and the Niners. The, the New York's on a completely different level because the Jets and the Mets, even though they're the redhead stepchild of both the sports in their city, there, the Jets and the Mets are bigger than either the Raiders or definitely the A's, just in terms of fan bases and size. Now, you, some might argue Jets, Raiders, but I'm just telling you, there's probably there's definitely more people in New York than there are people in the Bay Area that root for both those two teams. So my point is, and clearly the Giants are the alpha, you never live that. If this guy becomes a star, which they're going to own this division once Brady is ever done, and he's going to be done sooner or later for the foreseeable future. And the Giants had the chance to pass on him. Again, you do not need to be Ozzie Newsome, you know, or Bill Belichick to be able to evaluate Sam Darnold when he threw on the highlights of that game. You went, Jesus. Then Josh Norman, who is outspoken as anyone in the league, not named Jalen Ramsey, was interviewed after a joint practice and basically said, holy hell, this kid is legit. It wasn't, no one paid him to say it. That's not typically his MO just to, you know, kind of prop up random guys. It was out of respect. Wow, this guy is really, really good. And you know what Sam Darnold's going to be? Really, really good. We have his ups and downs as a rookie, I'm sure. He's probably going to start week one as he should. You know, the Jets might win five, six, seven games, whatever. They're not going to make the playoffs, more than likely, unless he's really special. But big picture, if right now, if I and I, I look at players like Stocks, if you said, Middlecoff, take out $10,000. If you could bet on any of the rookie quarterbacks, I you know, listen, I, I like Josh Rosen. Their offensive line stinks. It's going to be hard in Arizona. Baker, it's just the Cleveland Browns. It's not as much Baker as it is just the Browns, you know. Josh Allen, he actually has looked okay. I, I've just, I, I took a stance. I, I'm not betting on athlete or inaccurate quarterbacks. I had buddies in the league that told me I should, but I, I still feel pretty confident that he's not going to work out. Sam Darnold is. Sam Darnold is a stud. And I, I'd put my cash on Sam Darnold. And if I was a Jets fan, I would be beyond schmitten that this guy is my starting quarterback because you got a guy that just has it. Let's get to Jalen Ramsey really quick. But by the point you've listened, if you're a football fan, you, you've seen some of his quotes. And this might come out a- after I've recorded this. I have a theory. It's pretty clear. For those that don't know, and maybe all businesses are like this, but definitely in pro sports, when a long piece comes out, and let's use this example, Bill Simmons, that Ringer article he wrote on Colangelo about the burner accounts. Typically, you write the article, you get the information. This is a little different because Jalen was just interviewed by the guy and gave him a bunch of good quotes. And then that publication reaches out to the team for comment. Something like this. Like I would imagine they sent this article three or four days ago and asked the team to comment. That's when Tom Coughlin and Doug Marone saw these comments and ultimately suspended them. Again, theory, 
little Alex Jones, middle cop style, sports conspiracy theorist. Obviously, I don't condone Alex Jones, but my, my point is that this is, I, I believe this. I believe this. And I, I, I think that Tom Coughlin saw these quotes along, you know, within the last week, well before the, the article came out. And Jalen Ramsey's just crushing everyone. Crushed Josh Allen, said he wouldn't draft him, said he's trash. Called Matt Ryan overrated. Basically kind of said the same thing about Jimmy Garoppolo. Just crushing dudes left and right. Did, did say Deshaun Watson and Carson Wentz are future MVPs. But my big takeaway to this is not Jalen being, we, we know he talks a lot, is just, and I can relate to this. When I got into the media, I realized like I had worked in pro sport in the NFL and just in that pro sports environment, and you just got to be so team-oriented. You can't say what you truly believe, and I hated it. I'm, a, as anyone that listens to the show, pretty outspoken guy, will say whatever. And I, I realized like I, I don't care. Like it, what? What? I'm talking about sports. I'm not talking about politics. I, I'm not talking about life or death. I'm talking about football or you know the Golden State Warriors. Like who cares what I say? If I believe it, just say it. I'm not Skip Bayless where I won't change my opinion if I'm wrong. I, I, I'm wrong probably multiple times a week, and maybe I won't admit it on Twitter. But I, I get it. Like it happens. It's not that big a deal to me. But I'm not afraid to crush a player, crush a coach. I'm not trying to get back into the NFL. You know, I'm not afraid. I, I crush the San Francisco Giants all the time. I'm just not. It doesn't matter. I realize it just does not matter. It just comes natural to me, too. I'm not faking it. The one thing I will respect about Jalen Ramsey is he is true to himself. But I also think it sheds light to how BS everything we read is. Everything we hear. When you get a... Have you heard Russell Wilson get behind a podium? Like, he says the same cliche BS every single statement. Now, Bill Belichick, we expect it. But watch your typical quarterbacks, Prescott. They don't say anything. I know in the Bay Area, Kyle Shanahan has been such a breath of fresh air because he's just candid with stuff. He's like, yeah, we ran the outside zone there. We thought we could throw it. Like, he'll just say things. I'll give John Gruden a lot of credit. The last couple years... I used to, I nicknamed him Twitter Rio because he spent so much time on Twitter and not coaching the team. Jack Del Rio would not tell you about injuries. And again, I Belichick gets a pass. He's Bill Belichick. But Jack, like, bro, the dude tore his ACL. Just admit he's out for the year. And John Gruden has come in and be like, yeah, the guy has a hip. The guy has a headache. Yeah, the guy has an elbow injury. Who cares? Th- these are not state secrets. If a guy's out for a month, he's out for a month. I get being cloak and dagger if the guy has an injury and he's a game-time decision. I I understand that. I've been in the building trying to accumulate that information to get to coaches. That is a competitive advantage. But if a dude breaks his ankle and is out for eight weeks, and it's the week of that he just broke his ankle, you can say the dude broke his ankle. He's gone. Like, it's no one, you know, we we get it. Because it's coming out anyway. So Jalen Ramsey, I'm very confident Tom Coughlin suspended him. I mean, that's what happened. But I will appreciate this for him. He's at least willing to say what he believes. Because you can't find a player, I I mean, basically anywhere. And and you know what? So many players, it's easy. Here, here, I'll give you one. No one is going to crush you on social media if you take shots at Donald Trump. No one. That's where you get your retweets, your attaboys, and your likes. How many players say I support him? Because clearly, say what you want, a lot of people in America do. A lot of people in America do agree with things that he is attempting to do, right or wrong. No one says no one says a peep. Now it's different. Politics is so polarizing. 
But no one ever just says for for the equi- the sports equivalent, like Jalen Ramsey says, that guy stinks. That guy's terrible. That quarterback blows. No one ever says that. Our Dion used to say that stuff. Jalen now says that stuff. I, I've been in coaches' meetings where they just crush players or hearing players crush other players. So it's happening. But no one has the stones to say it. And, you know, I, I think it's, it's why Colin Coward's been so successful. He's not afraid. If he believes it, he says it. Obviously, Howard Stern, people thought he was crazy, never make it. He clearly speaks for a lot of people, and a lot of people relate to what he's saying and thinking. Clearly. The, the rise of barstool sports, clearly they bring an edge that PC culture, and they're doubling by the year, is because there is a large percentage of people that the, the vocal minority always tell you the one side, and you always be like, God, you just can't say that. Well, the silent majority, mo- most people aren't just tweeting all day or telling you their thoughts on social media. That, that, that is not the majority of the people. But they do consume products. They do buy products. And I, I think Jalen Ramsey represents him saying stuff. Like, I say those same comments about players all the time on Twitter. But if I was an NFL player, could I say that? My team definitely wouldn't want me to say it, but I believe it. He's just speaking the truth. No one ever speaks the truth anymore. No one ever speaks the truth. It's a bunch of passive-aggressive, cliche BS. I'm seeing it right now with Khalil Mack and Gruden. Like, do you want him here, John, or you don't? Now, again, it's contract negotiations. I get it, but I'm not getting the truth. I take everything I see on television with a grain of salt. Everything that's ever said by an NFL coach, 99% of it. With Kyle, I don't as much because he's pretty open. But uh, none of these guys say anything. I like Sean McVay. I'll be the first to admit I was wrong on Sean McVay. I thought he'd be an epic failure. I just thought he was too young. No chance it would work. It works. Watch a Sean McVay press conference. He's loosened up a little. But you're not gaining much from a Sean McVay. He's got, he's got the coach cliche down pat. And again, I don't necessarily begrudge him for doing that. But he is in the majority. That's all we ever get. And I, people appreciate, there's a reason Howard Stern's the highest paid radio host in the history of America. There's a reason Colin Coward is the number one sports talk show host. You know, people yearn for honesty. They, they love it. PC takes are a minority. People don't want that. People, people deep down, everyone has an opinion on what Jalen says. Most people talk like what Jalen talks like. Even the players in the league that will never admit it, that's how they talk. You go into the locker room, you close the doors. You go into the lunchroom, you close the doors. I mean, it's why I always defend this. Still to this day, and you see him in hard knocks. Greg Williams. Crushed. Remember, didn't crush. I mean, kill the head, the body will die. Uh, Crabtree was soft. Those words that he said were no different than most defensive coordinators when they're getting their team ready when bounty gate happened. Not a different word, if anything. I mean, he might have been a little on the vulgar side, but, you know, people always want to eat the hot dog, but they never want to know how it's made. And when it is, when they do find out, they freak out. So you know what, Jalen? Keep talking. Now, maybe you got to be a little careful with Tom Coughlin around, but I appreciate the candor. Well, let's get into the weekly segment sponsored by my guys at theathletic.com slash jmiddle. You get it for, listen, I'm biased. I write there too. You can read me every week. Once football season starts, I'll have multiple articles a week. Have something this week on just so far the ups and downs uh, of the Raiders and the 49ers and just some other NFL nuggets. 
but you can get it for $3 a month, $36 for the year, 40% off. Go do it right now. They cover 17 different NFL cities, baseball, basketball, you name it, cover it all. I, I got to get to something I, I read on the on the Cleveland site about uh, Todd Haley and Hugh Jackson. And I think we've all, if you haven't, you're crazy. It's, it's so far the best. I, I saw a great tweet from someone that lives in Cleveland last night. Like the Cleveland Browns were meant, I repeat, meant for hard knocks. They are, they're perfect. It just, it's perfectly suited. It just doesn't get any better. So, my takeaway so far from Hard Knocks is Hugh Jackson's terrible. Like, god-awful. Like, just an awful football coach. Obviously, his resume speaks for itself. He's won one game in two years. I mean, he's been a complete debacle. But you watch Hard Knocks, and you realize, no wonder he's so terrible. No wonder he's so bad. No wonder the Browns are the Browns. How is this guy the head coach? And then you watch Todd Haley interact, and there was a scene that really stood out to me. And you go, how does Todd Haley know this? And you look at his resume, you go, well, he was the offensive coordinator on a team that went to the Super Bowl, revitalized Kurt Warner Hall of Famer's career, boys with Larry Fitzgerald. Went to Kansas City with Scott Pioli, ultimately was fired, but did get to the playoffs in that castle. Then for the last several years, been in Pittsburgh, where all they've done is won games. A ton of games. And they've had one of the most dominant offenses in the league. Now, people love to say it's all bad, but clearly Todd Haley knows what he's doing. And there was a scene last night where Todd Haley looks at Jarvis Landry and kind of called him out a little bit almost for his rant in the first episode of Hard Knocks. Like, bro, you're going to give this much effort and be this big of a team leader when the cameras are on. How about do something when the cameras are off? See that guy, Antonio Callaway, that was just busted for having a roach in his car and a suspended license? How about you take him under your wing? You know what? Because it's pretty clear this guy's a baller. So are you, Jarvis. And you're the old vet that has his life together. How about you mentor this guy? And then he ended it with the icing and cherry on top by going, Larry Fitzgerald would, smiled and walked away. I went, damn. That's pretty pretty strong sentiment. Because you know where Larry Fitzgerald's headed? The Hall of Fame. You know what Larry Fitzgerald is? The greatest playoff wide receiver I've ever seen. The greatest playoff receiver I've ever seen, Hall of Famer. Highest character, one of the highest character guys in the league. And Todd Haley was right. And then you know what you think? You go, is Todd Haley going to be the coach of this team? If I had to go over under right now, Hugh Jackson being the coach week eight of the Cleveland Browns, I'd go under. Because here's one thing that I know after watching Hard Knocks and then just watching them play in the preseason game the other night. This team's good. Like they have a legit roster. If you told me Andy Reid was the head coach of the Cleveland Browns, I'd say they'd go 9-7, 10-6. If you told me they had Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay, I'd say they're competing to make the playoffs. Pete Carroll, Mike Tomlin, this team would be really good. Hugh Jackson, I, I mean, who knows? But they have no excuse not to be competitive. They have, obviously, an excuse not to make the playoffs. They've won one game in two years. But to not, make, to not be competitive and not win six, seven, eight games, this team is stacked, like loaded. I watched Tyrod Taylor, their quarterback, who is a solid starting quarterback, make the playoffs with with a much less talented team last year in the Buffalo Bills. And now they also have Baker Mayfield, who if you watch that first preseason game, has proved to be pretty damn good. This team is good. Excuse me, good is the wrong word, is talented. Teams become good because they're well coached. And the one consistent theme in hard knocks is how undisciplined Hugh is. There is just no discipline. 
It's why Todd Haley in the first episode, when Hugh Jackson told him guys weren't going to practice, and he starts naming off second- and third-year players, and Todd Haley goes, those guys are veterans. They need to practice. Miles Garrett got a veteran's day off. Miles Garrett's a second-year player. Veteran's day off? Not Reggie White, you know? He's not Dwight Freeney. You get better in football by practicing. This isn't baseball. You don't play every day. This isn't basketball. You don't play every other day. In football, you practice six times, five times more than you play. You practice all the time. That's how you improve. In baseball, you just get through a slump by getting more at-bats. In basketball, you just get through a shooting slump by shooting. In football, you get through stuff by practicing. It's what makes the sport so unique. I think golf has some parallels to that. You got to practice a lot to be good at golf. Then you also got to play, just like football, you got to play. But practicing is so key. You practice all the time. I mean, hell, the sport originated when it really took off 70s, 80s, 90s, double days for a month, two practices a day for a month in pads. It was hard. It's no longer hard. Now it's practice walkthrough. But it's. Hugh Jackson is a dead man walking. I'm telling you, not only Todd Haley, to me, is going to be the interim head coach, I think there is a very, very strong chance that Todd Haley is just the future head coach, especially if Baker Mayfield were to come in and look good. And if that happens, I I might have to chime in and write something about it. And if I do, you can find me on The Athletic. Because The Athletic is where I do all my sports reading. Listen, like I said, I'm biased. I've written for him since the San Francisco... Uh, group came out. We started in August. But when you subscribe to the site, zero ads, anyone knows that tries to read any article on the internet, every paragraph, ad, pop-up, video, you can't get through it. It's unbearable. That's the great part about The Athletic. You subscribe, zero ads, zero ads. You read anything you want, adless. It's incredible. All you get is sports content. Over 17 NFL teams covered, you like baseball? I know I like reading about baseball. Guess who they have? Ken Rosenthal, Jason Stark, Peter Gammons. You ever heard of him? <laughs> Pretty sure he's a Hall of Famer. So if anything about baseball, you can read from those guys on theathletic.com slash jmiddle. Covers hockey, covers a ton of college football. Stuart Mandel, Bruce Feldman, two of the best in the business. Uh, and it also gives you unique angles. Like, you're not gonna. Where are you gonna find a former NFL scout writing like myself? Not to prop myself up, but it's just the truth. Videos. I mean, you get everything you want. Like I'm telling you about the Cleveland site. Dustin Fox, radio host who played in the NFL for a long time, writes a film piece every week. Former NFL player, right? You're not getting that at your local newspaper. You're not getting that on websites because you have to go through. Uh, you have, you have to scroll through so many apps. Listen, it doesn't get any better. And the thing about The Athletic, it's only scratching the surface. Like, imagine what this website is going to be like in a year or two. They they cover everything. Fantasy, football, gambling. It has it all. Theathletic.com slash jmiddle. This this came across, I, I think it would have been Tuesday morning, maybe Monday morning, that the Raiders had restructured Donald Penn, their starting left tackle, who has never played right tackle in his career. Played a, a short period in a game a couple years ago. I think it was a total of 24 snaps. He restructured his contract for more guaranteed money, and they moved him to the right side. And listen, I people think I'm a Gruden hater. I'm not. I think he's a good coach. 
I, I think I question some of his salary cap stuff and the way Khalil Mack has been handled, even though I don't know if it's all him. But I, I think coaching football and watching their first preseason game against the Lions, the offense he's running, he's going to be good at coaching football. But this is a move that just make me shake my head a little bit. I learned when I was in the NFL, I got luckily I got to be around a lot of people, good and bad. I mean, I, I was Howie Roseman's basically his right-hand man for a couple years in terms of doing tasks for him. I worked hand-in-hand with Lewis Riddick, who anyone that's watched ESPN knows he knows his shit. I also saw the worst of the worst. I saw Ryan Grigson. Wasn't shocked when he crashed and burned. Phil Savage ran the Senior Bowl, former GM, super sharp. I, I've seen it all. Brett Veach, GM with Andy Reid. I've seen the good and the bad. But the one thing I learned is in free agency, and this is going to speak to Donald Penn, when you sign a player, you can't expect them to be different once you sign them if they are an established veteran. What they do is what they do. No different in anything, in any business. You sign a guy, a 40-year-old salesman that had been doing something for 15 years, you can't sign him to your company and think he's going to excel somewhere else and not have him do what he's good at. Like, people establish who they are. You have to take them at face value and use who they are to your advantage. In, in business, no different in football. Donald Penn is a left tackle. So you draft Colton Miller, who cannot play right tackle. He's said over and over, it was a disaster at UCLA. He's only comfortable on the left side. Well, Donald Penn, if healthy, which he is now, is a better player right now. Maybe not in a couple years. Donald's 35 years old. But right now, than Colton Miller. So they kind of have a problem on their hands. So you are making, instead of making one position worse, like maybe coach Colton up at right tackle, and if he can't do it, just have him take over next year. But it would kind of suck because you're not getting anything out of your first rounder. But when you move Donald Penn away from left tackle to right tackle, you are making two positions worse at once because he's your best left tackle, and he's not a right tackle. Now, maybe he's talented enough. Maybe he figures it out. But that's a lot to ask of a 35-year-old guy. I think it's just kind of crazy. To me, you'd have been better off probably just cutting him if you want him to play another position. Again, there is a chance that he's a solid right tackle. I'm not, you know, just assuming it's going to be a disaster. He might be solid. He's probably better just learning from scratch better than anything they have. The bar is low. But I do know one thing. When Donald Penn's your left tackle, he's good. He's a good starting left tackle. Been to multiple Pro Bowls for the Raiders. Derek trusts him. Colton Miller, you're forcing this rookie to come, which, again, I actually think Colton Miller might be better than I originally thought, but I think it's kind of crazy. You know, usually when you have a strength, which the Raiders did the last couple years as an offensive line, once you start tweaking it, things change dramatically. You saw it with the Cowboys a little when when Lyle Collins went from guard to, to right tackle. It just weakened them a little bit. Part of their strength was when guys are really good at a position, you ride it. When, when humans establish what they're good at, you you use that to your advantage in any business. So I, I just think it's not a head-scratching move. I get it. But I think it's a little bit of a Hail Mary that's unneeded. But the problem, and this is where the Raiders got them in trouble, get themselves in trouble, is when they took Colton Miller and all he can play is left tackle, Donald Penn really doesn't have that much value to you. Because you draft a guy in the first round, you got to start him. They would have been better off just, I mean, maybe they end up doing this, trading Donald Penn or cutting him. Because attempting to have him play right tackle when he has been a, I mean, he's 35 years old, he's been in the league forever as a left tackle. That's that's asking a lot, and it's kind of asking for a problem. 
And I think sometimes players go, God, you won't pay Khalil Mack. The, our best tackle is, you know, our best left tackle is actually not the starter. He's actually over at right. You know, you just open yourself up to people. You know, players talk. They're, they're not idiots. And again, I am a John Gruden supporter. I know Colin thinks it's going to be a dumpster fire. I don't. I think he's going to be a good coach. This move is a little head-scratching from just an X's nose football standpoint. I, I think it's just a huge Hail Mary. Now, again, the more, and as I'm talking this out, maybe they just end up trading him, you know, in the next couple weeks if he just proves he's healthy. And that might happen because a ton of teams need left tackles. But I, if if this is the Raiders trying to keep him, I, I, I think it's pretty crazy. Okay, time to get into the Middlecoff mailbag. Uh, if I miss your question on, on iTunes, I apologize. Re- send me a new question because I'm kind of at the top of the list now and I'm going to work through some Instagram questions too. I, I didn't do this on purpose. I, I don't mean to skip your questions. I obviously want to read your questions. That's the whole point of this thing. But I, I might have skipped it and I know I had some people get mad at me. So again, I apologize. I'm not a mailbag accountant. I, I'm going to miss some stuff. So... I don't know what else to say besides, I'm sorry. Let's get to uh, the Browns here. This is a pretty good one. Even if the Browns' Denzel Ward ends up becoming a Pro Bowl caliber, caliber player and Bradley Chubb is an average starter, it seems like you could still make the case that Chubb could be more valuable in today's NFL. Any truth to that? And did you like them taking Ward at four? Well, I think we can all admit Denzel Ward was the best corner in the draft. But it is so hard to play DB now with the rules. You can't touch the wide receiver. You, you can't tackle. You, you can't be physical. It's just a difficult position to play. So the difference between just a solid guy and an elite guy, you know, with the rules, I, I don't know if it makes that big of a difference. The one place where you can still kick ass, take names, and be physical is the line of scrimmage. And if Bradley Chubb is, let's go above average starter, like a pseudo pro bowler, like trying to think of a good example, like becomes like Bruce Irvin is now for the Raiders, like a a starter on a championship team, just a really key, good player. I think you could make the argument that you should have taken Bradley Chubb. I I got a couple buddies in the league that think like the Browns draft could haunt them forever. Listen, I like Baker Mayfield, but you just watch the preseason game. Sam Darnold just has more gifts. He's just a more gifted player. Now, if Sam Darnold becomes a star and Baker becomes really good, it, it might not matter that much. But this, to me, the position that was a little crazier, this this was kind of crazy. And who pushed them for this? Their defensive coordinator. It looks like he's going through a midlife crisis 24-7. And he wanted this guy. And can you imagine if you had a pass rush of Denzel Ward and Miles Garrett, how good that defensive line would be? I, I, I think that that, it was a little eye-opening, not that Denzel Ward was going high. He, he was a top 7-8 pick lock. There, there weren't that many corners in the draft. He was the best one and had a ton of upside. But you took a one-year starter. Now, the reason he was a one-year starter because Marcus Lattimore and Garyon Conley were on the team. But yeah, man, it's that pick probably more than Baker because I think Baker at worst is going to be solid. It's not going to kill him as much as this one. I mean, he better become a pro bowler. I'll tell you that much because if he doesn't, and Denzel, Denzel Ward's going to be good in Denver. He plays with Vaughn Miller. Like, those two guys are going to kick ass. I promise you. I saw it five years ago when DeMarcus Ware was there. They, they were an unstoppable combo. So, Vaughn is much better now. And Denzel, or I mean, excuse me, Bradley, like, they're going to be really good. 
So it's something Cleveland, I, that to me is a bigger kind of question mark red flag than the Donald Baker. Okay, uh, hello, John. What is your opinion on the injuries happening in the preseason? Is it strength and conditioning coaches' fault for not b- getting players better prepared? Or should teams start following Baltimore's approach and do more Oklahoma drills? Thank you for the time. I'll hang up and listen. I added that part. Jimmy G strings. I like that name. Listen, I think for the most part, you know, a broken leg, a torn ACL, something like that, it's pretty freaky. I mean, it's going to happen inevitable. It is inevitable. There's an inevitability to injuries in the sport of football. Last year, Julian Edelman, remember, tore his ACL in a preseason game. Like To me, that ACL was snapping sooner or later. You looked at uh, Richard Sherman last year when his Achilles popped. As he had said, he knew it was eventually going to pop. Now, I'm not a doctor. Uh, just been around football and heard the way they talk about it. There is something to like muscle pulls with hydration and stretching for sure. And some teams are clearly better than others at that. But I do think part of football, like I I don't think you're any more likely, here's where I would agree with the Harbaugh approach and just a more physical approach, is if you just do Oklahoma drills. Now, I don't know if just doing the Oklahoma drill, but just doing more physical practices, like have goal line periods, tackle to the ground, you're just as likely to get hurt as if you're in, you know, OTA seven on seven and guys have non-contact injuries. It's it's a violent sport. People get hurt. It's why I always see like it happens a lot in college football when a guy gets hurt late in the season or a bowl game and they go, "Oh my God, he should have not played in the game." Well, he would have been to me just as likely to break a leg training, trying to deadlift five hundred pounds. You know, a non-contact injury running cones. You, you can get hurt doing anything at any time. You cannot live scared in football. You just play football. Now, you can obviously, and this is where I think the NFL has done a good job in practices, is it necessary to tackle to the ground for three straight weeks? Probably not. Like, you can do thud. But I know a lot of people listening don't get a chance to go to an NFL practice. Listen, I've been to a lot of college practices from scouting and being at Fresno State. Like, thud in college is, I mean, it's pretty violent still. I mean, especially the Division One level. But thud in the NFL, and when I say thud, it just basically means you you hit with kind of your shoulder pads and hands. You're, you're not wrapping up. You just kind of make contact and then run through. It's pretty violent, you know? I mean, sometimes a running back, even in thud, will just get knocked to the ground because, you know, Kwaski Tart is flying up or Khalil Mack, you know, or Bruce Irvin or Reuben Foster. Like, you play thud with Reuben Foster. You get literally thudded, you know? And, you know, guys are strong. They stay up. But sometimes you hit the ground. Sometimes your knee may buckle. Again, it's football. I I don't think there's a right or wrong way to approach this. I would always lean a little more physical. I I do think there is something to... there's, There's a reason boxers spar before they fight. And to me, there is a reason there have been more injuries in games the last several years. I have no stats to back this up. But I think when you're more physical and you're more used to the contact, your, your body is more used to it. Again, when you're used to, you know, when you're young and you're wrestling all the time with brothers and friends, you don't get, you know, it doesn't hurt as much. If I were to wrestle now at 34 years old, I wouldn't be able to walk the next day. We're getting to just put on, uh, you know, some face gear and go box. <laughs> I, I, I'd be in so much pain. But if you're used to it, the, the physical pounding and people are – I've never been to a New England Patriot practice, but they'll tell you they keep the pads on, you know, throughout the whole season. 
Bill freaking Belichick. Where did he learn that from? Bill freaking Parcells. Bill freaking Walsh. All those guys believed in that. Now, should you do the same way they did in 1982? Of course not. But should you keep the pad? Should you wear you know pads in practice in December, even if it's just for Wednesday practice? Probably. I mean, you know, don't you want to get used to the way things are going to feel when you play? And there's also a balance in you know knowing who's a pro, you know, knowing what guys are pros and what guys aren't pros and what guys can handle it. So, good question. Let me try to find something on Instagram. I got a bunch of Middlecoff mailbags. Mailbag question. Okay. This is a good one. With the Hall of Fame happening this past weekend. It was really good, by the way. Uh, Players who are the best at their position, of course, make it to the Hall of Fame. My question is, do you think Devin Hester will be in the Hall of Fame one day? He was the best punt and kick returner of all time. I think it's going to take a little while, uh, but I definitely think he'll eventually get there. And this was the argument forever about Ray Guy. Like, Ray Guy was a football player. Now, he wasn't on offense or defense, but he was the best punter ever. He should have been in the Hall of Fame. Instead, he had to wait forever. Now, I get it when you're nitpicking quarterbacks, nitpicking wide receivers, nitpicking D linemen, but Devin Hester, what he did on the football field and played on some really good teams as a kick and punt returner, was as dynamic as it got. And he did it forever. So to me, when you say Devin Hester, I think Devin Hester is every bit, for example, of the Hall of Famer as Terrell Davis is. And again, Terrell Davis's highs were higher. He was Super Bowl MVP. Was he Super Bowl MVP? Yeah, I think he was Super Bowl MVP. He was MVP of the league. But his, his career lasted like four years. Like Devin Hester did it forever. That might be a bad example because I've always thought Terrell Davis was a Hall of Famer. But... The guys that make it, like, Devin Hester was better at what he did, for example, than, like, Tim Brown was better at his position, right? Devin Hester was the best in the league at what he did for years. So, yeah, to me, Devin Hester, because you can't probably vote a guy like that in for the first couple years, eventually he should 100% make the Hall of Fame. Hey, boss, huge fan. My question to you is don't you think McCarthy and Tomlin are on the hot seat for people who've had head coaching security for a long time? And although they're powerhouses in the regular season, they haven't won a Super Bowl recently. I think this is a pretty good question. I was asked the other day on, I think Twitter, maybe it was on Instagram, is Mike Tomlin, like, is he on the hot seat if they were to not make the NFC Championship? Because you look at the Steelers and you go, If they don't make the NFC Championship, it is a royal failure. And I do agree with that. But to me, Mike Tomlin, he's a stone-cold lock to make it to 2019. That's just not the way the Steelers operate. I do think if they were to have a down year this year, you know, get bounced in the first round, uh, not even make the playoffs, I think he would be under some heat. But I, I cannot, and I repeat, not see... Mike Tomlin making it till the following year in 2019, then he'd be on the hot seat, right? Right now, it, it would take a it would take a scandal or just something super crazy to happen that I can't even think of. Uh, Mike McCarthy, I, I do think he legitimately is on the hot seat. New GM, first kind of turnover in forever for Green Bay with Gudikins, who's running the show. Now, if they make the playoffs, win the division, I, I think McCarthy's pretty safe. But if somehow, like Rodgers gets hurt again and they miss the playoffs. McCarthy would be done. 
I, I, I think McCarthy not only needs to make the playoffs, probably needs to win a game or two in the playoffs to keep his job. I, I think there is a lot of validity to, I wouldn't say his seat is on fire, but it's definitely slowly heating up, kind of like a microwave. You know, it's like the first 10 seconds, like you can feel it coming. Joe from San Jose. What is your opinion on the new college football rules about how many people can have a headset on during a game and how many people can be in the press box for coaching staffs? How do you think it will affect the Power 5 football programs as opposed to the group of five staffs with less man, you know, the non-group of fives with less manpower? Do you think the NFL will ever put restrictions on it? Start with the NFL, no, because the owners don't give a shit about any of that. I mean, they, they just do not care. And I'm a big believer there can be too many too many chiefs and not enough Indians. You know, too many cooks in the kitchen. Like, how many guys do you need on the headset? You know, Saban did it forever. He'd have 50 guys in the headsets, former coaches. Listen, I, I some boxes at some smaller schools, they're not even that big. I don't know how you fit everyone in there. But you, you got 15 to 20 coaches. And I'm not even counting the GAs, the analysts. Like, how many of them need to be on the headset? How much of it truly matters? I, th- this is what I think would be fair. Obviously, most staffs have a position coach for every position. Usually offensive line, defensive line, sometimes defensive backs have assistants for that position. Uh, you know, usually there's a quarterback coach, uh, offensive coordinator, and if your head coach is an offensive guy, that's three guys that are basically quarterback coaches. Like, how many how many quality control graduate assistants do you need on the headset? I, I think you should cap it to in the in the box for college. In the pros, I don't think it matters because it just does not matter. <laughs> you know, there there are three or four coaches literally doing everything. That in in college, I'd make it your coordinators, if either one of them are in the box, their assistant, whether that's the quality control or GA, and then another position coach. But to me, the an analyst should not get a headset. Like I, I, I get where Saban's doing it, and I give him credit for thinking outside the box and hiring these guys. But they should not get a headset on game day. In the pros, I, I don't care how many quality control guys you give headsets to, because it ultimately doesn't matter. Now I. I do think there is a benefit to, you know, if a young coach, it would suck to not have a headset on because you hear the way coaches operate during games and the banter that goes back and forth. And, I mean, it's incredible. I've, I got to be on the headset a couple times at Fresno State. I know I have buddies that are pro scouts that, in, in the pros, unlike college where your quality control guy is kind of your scout, in the, your, your pro scouts help in pro football. So they're on the headsets, helping with signs, helping with personnel groups, and depending on the team they're on, they'll just say, "God, it's a it's a roller coaster ride." You know, I, I've never done it in the NFL. I, when I was in Philly, Lewis Lewis Riddick was would travel with the team and do that. I mean, it was intense. You know, you had to. I don't know if I could handle the pressure, but I, I to me, they should just cap the number for Division One football. It, you know, at th- three guys in, in the booth. With headsets on. And then every position coach gets one. So maybe two extra guys. But I, the guys, the, the schools without the resources and without the manpower will, will always be at a huge disadvantage. Whether you have headsets or don't have headsets. Uh, but I, I do think that's fascinating something to think about. Because I know it, it, it does affect college more than it affects the pros. Appreciate everyone listening. Football is back. Thank God. Thank you, Jesus for sending us this great game. Fall is here, middle of August. 
a ton more games this weekend. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Again, if I missed your question, I apologize. Go back into iTunes, resubmit it. Go into my DMs, submit questions. I'm going to keep working through them. Uh, my, My Instagram is at John Middlecoff. Thanks for listening. Appreciate everyone. If you want to subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash jmiddle. And go subscribe to the podcast. Listen to wherever you're listening. Appreciate you listening. And thanks for Colin, the Colin Coward Podcast Network. I'm out. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats. That grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at First first Listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.